Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. From this tropic port aboard this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailing man The skipper brave and sure Five passengers set sail that day For a three-hour tour A three-hour tour The weather started getting rough The tiny ship was tossed If not for the courage of the fearless crew The minnow would be lost The minnow would be lost the ship's aground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle With Gilligan, the skipper too A millionaire and his wife The movie star, the professor and Mary Ann Here on Gilligan's Now you've worshipped, right? That's good stuff right there Woo! <laughs> Okay, I just had to pull that one out as I think about oceans and ships, and that's the first song that came to my uh, demented little mind, and so I just felt like it would help us today to kind of get into this whole idea of, of what we're talking about. We are, we are literally, intentionally uh, choosing kind of a, a cheesy way of hopefully reminding us of some things that will help us as a church, as God's people. We're talking about being ship shape. Okay, And the words, several words within our English language that incorporate that idea of a ship and how those words tie into what we're supposed to do as a church. And we find them to be quite biblical as we, as we walk through them. So they, literally we're talking about what, what ships should we have in order here at Calvary to do what God has called us to do. So we're going to be following this theme throughout this month. And, and I hope some of these really become an encouragement, a challenge. We, last week, here's where we, we started with a very... Perhaps the fundamental uh, ship, as it, as it refers to the church in the, in the Bible in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the Bible tells us that they, there was 3,000 plus, they devoted themselves to the, tell, tell me what it was, the fellowship, okay? That becomes the boat in which all of this kind of comes together, the idea of the fellowship. And we, what we learned last week, and we were reminded... Fellowship is more than, than food and fun. It's more than coffee and donuts. It's more than just hanging out. Those are, those are great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But fellowship, and in fact, the verse as it's written here, it wasn't talking so much about they, develop, they devoted to fellowshipping, but they were devoted to something. They were devoted to a gathering. They were devoted to the fellowship. And that would have been the fellowship there at Jerusalem. Or, let's bring it 2,000 years later, the fellowship at 930 Hainer Avenue, the fellowship of Calvary Baptist Church. They were devoted to themselves to that. And, and that brings us to this uh, one powerful phrase in that verse, they devoted themselves to that. And, and as we wrapped up the sermon last week, we took that phrase and, and we gave it a ship word of its own. Devoting themselves is the idea of ownership. Not in the fact that, that you, you, you own it and you have, so you tell them you control it. It's, it's the idea of you, you, you have a, a vested interest there. You have a vested interest in, in, and we know the church to be the people, so you have a vested interest in the, in the 
the someones, the group of someones, and you take care of them, and you, you, you love, and you work together, you sacrifice together. Church isn't a place. Church isn't an event. Church is a fellowship, and it's a privilege to be a part of a fellowship, and so we, we should be devoted to that fellowship, and that's what kind of starts us off as we talk about this idea of the church. So today, we're going to continue with another thought, another ownership issue Another way in which we should own the, the church that God has given us, we're going to use another one of those words, and to do so, we're going to go to the last recorded, or some of the last recorded words of Jesus before he went into heaven after his ministry here. Matthew, if you have your Bibles, we'll start here, we'll come back to it eventually. Matthew, the last chapter, chapter 28, the last couple of verses, uh, it, where Jesus gives his followers his final instructions, these final directives. These final commands, a.k.a. for some, the Great Commission. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But chapter 28, verse 19 begins this way. And I just want to start with the opening phrase. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Circle those middle, two middle words. Make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples, Jesus said. Some of the last thing he says. Now, we're going to finish this verse in a moment. But today, we're going to talk about having all hands on deck, everybody involved, ownership in regards to discipleship. What, what it means to be discipleship, what, that, what it, that means as far as the church. The, the huge ship word that we're talking about today has to do with the purpose it has to do with the operation. It has to do with the why and the what and the how of what a church... A church could be doing a lot of things. A church should be doing one thing very specific, and that is make disciples. Discipleship becomes the key, becomes the, the, the centerpiece of what we're supposed to do. In fact, hopefully, if you've been at Calvary uh, at any length of time, you've heard us talk about these words... Members, help me out with this. Finish this phrase. Calvary is here. Our mission is making disciples who what? Make disciples. That's what we, we say is the actual mission. We, we take it from that verse. Our, our job, our call is to make disciples who make disciples. A key to being and doing what Calvary is meant to be and do comes back to this word discipleship comes back to the idea of making disciples. We're not here to be the biggest, the, the prettiest, the most popular church in this town or in the world. That's, our job is to make disciples who make disciples. That's what God has called us to do, and that's, that's what we have, that's what our purpose is. That's what God has designed. So this, this discipleship word is critical to reminding us of what the church is supposed to do, Calvary in, in particular. I honestly believe that pretty much every problem that we're going to encounter within the church, as far as personalities and issues, it's going to come back to some kind of a discipleship issue. I, I believe that when you find, uh, you, you find kind of bored or apathetic or, or grumpy or whatever word you want to use, disconnected members within the church, somehow there's a discipleship issue. It, since this becomes our purpose, we also take it back that if, we, if we're not doing this correctly, that's, or individually or as a church, that's also going to reflect in the, the way in which the church operates. A huge word. Familiar word. If you've been here for the, the my tenure, for the 10 years, we use this word a lot. This is a word that God really has put on my heart. And in fact, I, I was telling my wife, I, I almost hesitated with this sermon, not because of its content, 
But because I'm afraid, as soon as I say the word, many of you just click the switch off because, oh, I've heard him talk about that before. That's how powerful it is, but that's how important it is. So please don't disengage with me today because I believe this ship has to be in place. So uh, this morning, I really hope that you're going to hear my heart. I hope that we we're able to understand this in a very fresh way. I, I, in some ways, this is going to be a sermon slash fireside chat kind of an idea. I really want to just share my heart because I believe this to be a key to so many things that we need to do and, and can do as we, as we are to, meant to be a church. So let's talk about discipleship. I'm going to look at it in two different ways. Discipleship, by description, number one, is a call to be a disciple. This is critical. Discipleship means that as a we are called to be followers, to be, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, just to give you some historic, some cultural background, I'm going to walk through some verses here as we talk about this topic today. And some of these just help us get an idea of what a disciple, a discipleship is all about, especially from this idea of being a disciple. Simple description, definition, if you were to look this up, it, a disciple is a follower, it's a student, it's a learner of someone. Now, here's what we know. History tells us this idea of being a disciple was a well-known uh, phenomenon, if you would, in this early, early time, this first century. There would be many rabbis that were traveling around the countryside, and they would be teaching their, whatever, their philosophy, and they would gather around them disciples, people wanting to be a part of this particular prestigious rabbi. And so they, they gathered what they call their disciples, those who were learning. They were students of them. So it makes sense that Jesus, being who he was, as he journeyed around the countryside, would also then have gathered followers, gathered disciples. In fact, one of the first time, or the first time in a chronological se- sequence of what Jesus was uh, in Jesus' life, uh, that we find the word disciple, Mark chapter number 2, verse 15, it says that while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. Now notice this, first time it's used, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So that gives us not only a description, it gives us a definition. These are people that were following him, thus they referred to as disciples. That's a follower, a learner, someone that's being taught. So it's a very logical sequence that Jesus would have these disciples. But here's what we're going to find very quickly, in fact immediately, that Jesus' idea of the disciples following him had a different slant than all those other rabbis. By, by simple definition, yes, they had followers, disciples, those who were sitting under their teaching. But Jesus immediately added a different idea, and what he did, and and notice, Luke chapter 6 and verse 13, talks about Jesus says, when he came, he, Jesus, called his disciples, so we're not sure how many were there, but many of those who were following him, notice that, he called disciples to him, and out of them he chose 12, whom he also designated as apostles. Many of you probably heard the term the 12 apostles, right? That's a, I think it's a rock group from the 70s too. But besides that, it was that we know this from the scriptures, the 12 apostles. In fact, you probably recognize some of the names. Peter, James, John, maybe Andrew, of course Judas, okay? We, we know a few of the names that would be a part of that, that group of 12 of apostles. But notice where they came from. He gathered these, these apostles out of his group of disciples, 
So it starts with those who are following him, and then Jesus begins to make this designation that then I'm also going to, to call others. And, and this specific name, apostle, is, is huge. By, by definition, it means a delegate. It means someone who is sent forth with a message, someone who is sent out from, if you, in this case, from the teacher. They have a job to do. They have a message to give to others. So right off the bat, what we see in this idea of discipleship is Jesus has added, not only you're going to sit and learn, but I'm going to send you out to, with a job to do. I'm going to send you out with a task. I'm going to send you out on mission. He has gathered from his disciples, this group of 12 he calls apostles. And in fact, when Mark talks about this same event, here's how he describes it. Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. He appointed 12... And notice what happens, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Pretty clear description of what these disciples were meant to do. They were to be with Jesus, that's one thing. He gathered them to be in his, his, his place, his, his location. But then what, as they gathered, then he would send them out on a, with a job to do. That becomes this, this picture not only of the apostles, but what you're going to read is as you go through the New Testament almost every time, with very few exceptions in the Gospels, when you hear the word disciples, oftentimes he's talking about these 12. These were the 12 that followed him. This group of disciples that had it were learning and they were growing. And then he would send them out on these, these mission trips, if you would. And he would, he would send them out to do what he's called them to do. It's, it, and now this, there's this, this idea, that's what a disciple begins to look like. One who is with Jesus and then Jesus then sends them out with something to do. That becomes the picture of what a disciple is. Here's what we know. Not all of those who started following Jesus continued. It was one thing to be a fan of Jesus. But as he began to teach and he began to require things of these disciples, you begin to see some of the, some, some of the numbers dwindling. John chapter 6 John writes these words, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He said, wait a second, that, that was nice at the beginning, but we're not really, you kind of, that's too far. We don't want to go there. Jesus turned to his, his 12 that were there and he said, do you want to go away too? Peter responded, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We're all in, Jesus. See, now disciples are starting to, now it's not just, woo, Jesus is cool to be around. Now you're starting to see there's going to be a distinction there. Jesus is going to call you. You're going to hang out with him. He's going to send you out on mission, and that mission may not even be something. So disciple then is not just this, this idea of saying that I know Jesus. Now it's also saying, and, and I'm willing to be all, all in with him, wherever that leads, whatever that you see how this, this idea of disciple begins to morph into what a true disciple is. In fact, Jesus posed this idea in chapter 8 of John. He said, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. So now we get this idea, disciple is more, it is a follower, it is a learner, it's a student. But it's one who now is being kind of set apart distinct to be with Jesus, to be sent out by Jesus, to not only listen to his teaching and go, wow, that's good, but now to actually hold on to that teaching, begin to live that teaching, begin to practice that teaching, then you're really my disciples. Those others, they're fans. Disciples are ones who not only believe in me, but they also will follow me. And as they follow me, they will stick with me. 
And these, these, these ones that will stick with me, well, now they'll hold on to what I said and they'll actually begin to practice it in their lives. This word disciple is used over 260 times just in the first four books of the New Testament, talking about this group of followers and who they were and as it kind of begins to narrow them down to who the ones that were truly his disciples. Okay, so that's those early church, that's Jesus' life. Let's move now to a little bit more of where we're at. We go to the book of Acts, and we talked there last week. Well, we, start, we see this word again in the book of Acts, and the first time we see it, it's, we, have in, uh, we have this group of 3,000 that we talked about last week. They got saved in this first service, and they began to, to grow, and this fellowship, this church begins to take on shape. But chapter 6 and verse number 1, the first time it's used in Acts, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So now we're using the same term, and Jesus is no longer here in person, but he, is, he has his group that had been following him who had become true disciples, and, they were follow, and now they're sharing the news of Jesus Christ, and they're sharing his death, burial, and resurrection. And these people are coming by the thousands, and also one by one, people are being added to the church, and as they do, what's the name that they're given? They're called what? Disciples. You see, disciples became the term in which you were, you're now a believer, a follower of Christ, you're a disciple. Becomes this, this, this identifying characteristic. In, in fact, if you go, it's used 28 different times in Acts, just this idea of disciple. But if you go over to chapter 11 and verse 26, something interesting happens. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. But look at this. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. He says the disciples, that was their given name, or that's what they were known for, a.k.a. Christians, also known as Christians. Christians is used very, very rarely in the scriptures. We only know of two, maybe three times, depending on our translation, that it's actually used. And it was a term that was not, it's not a bad term, but it was actually given from the outside. People looking in, even their enemies were saying, you look kind of like that Christ fella. You're a Christ one. And they gave him this designation as, as Christians, but they're, they're really, they were disciples who are now also known as Christians. Here's what we have, over the years, nothing, nothing sinful about this, but Christian is the term that we're most familiar with today. That's the term that we use, and, but here's what's sadly, over time, the word Christian has lost a lot of his oomph. I don't know how you spell that, but it, they've lost its oomph, okay? Because now, if you believe that Jesus existed, or you go to a church that believes that Jesus existed, or you, you do some Jesus-type things, you could be called a Christian, but what that's done is that's completely removed itself from its original designation is, first of all, you're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're one who's all in for Jesus. Yes, you should look like Jesus, be a Christ one, but now that's become almost, that's, that's basically a denominational term now. I'm a Christian, not a, rather than I'm a disciple, I'm a follower, I'm a, I'm a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so what we have in this idea that if we're going to be a church uh, that is making disciples who make disciples, for that to happen, here's the first thing you got to know. It takes one to make one. Disciples is not just this program that we throw out and people come and they become disciples. 
They come disciples because other disciples are making disciples. But you can't make a disciple unless you, first of all, first of all, are a disciple. So that's going to be our question, first question as we walk through this. I, I know the crowd. I can see most of your faces. I know most of your names. But I don't know your heart. So the first question is going to be this. Are you truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Again, call yourself Christian. Call yourself Baptist. I, I, those are all nice terms. But my, my question is going to be, are we truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus invited people, there were fans, we talked about them, but when he's inviting them, he's inviting us to a walk of discipleship. Are we truly disciples as Jesus has designed for us to be? Here's what's interesting. When he called his original disciples, there was always a similar kind of a script that he used. And so based on that script, I want us today to ask the question and think about, am I truly a disciple Mark chapter 1 is where we see this as he's calling his first group. Discipleship has been given a, it's sometimes in churches, it's a Bible study, it's a process of study, and all those things, they, they help, but that's, discipleship is bigger than that. Discipleship is truly the connection, the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And here's how Jesus would say to us, Mark 1, it starts this way, follow me. There was a group of four guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and his statement to them started with these two words, follow me. So here's what we're going to talk about. A disciple, you say, am I a disciple? Well, let's look at the definition. A disciple is one who has chosen to follow Jesus. Very simple. A one who has chosen to follow Jesus. Here, here's what we know. When, when you hear the idea of the gospel, the, the importance of the gospel is this, that, that each of us are sinners separated from a holy God in need of a Savior. And there's nothing we can do personally on our own to change that fact. We're sinners. We need, we need God. But God in his love and totally by his grace offered us a way into a relationship with him. And he did so by giving us his son. His son dying on a cross and rising again in three days provided a way of forgiveness, a way of salvation. And when you hear that call and when you recognize, and for some of you it was it's been within the last couple of years, some of you it was years ago, but when you heard that call and you said, I need a Savior, I, I'm lost, I need forgiveness, I need, that was a call from Jesus to follow him. And when you received that gift, when you said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, forgive me, and you received that, that gift of salvation, what you were doing is you were, you were answering the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't use the term Christian. He used the word disciple. In fact, the Bible very rarely, we, he uses the term disciple. It's the idea of have you answered that call of invitation to follow Jesus. Now, a, a word that we could use to describe this, this aspect of discipleship, we could literally use the word followership, okay? All right, some of you are going to say, oh, you're really stretching your words here, preacher. Okay, I, I get that. However, let me, let, me, let me verify this a little bit. This particular word, followership, is actually kind of an old word, early 1900s, first record was er, this, that we haven't used. But it's also kind of given a, it's giving a comeback, especially in leadership-type circles. If you were to look at some research, uh, magazines and, and organizations like Forbes and Business Weekly and even the U.S. Army talk about the importance of followership. And here's a simple definition. Followership is the capacity or willingness to follow 
a leader. Now, it's pretty straightforward stuff. It's just the concept. In order for leadership to be effective, there has to be followership. Here's what Jesus is. He's walking through the countryside. He's taught, and we're not talking about your Facebook followers, okay? That's, that's a whole different ballgame. means very little in the scheme of life. We're talking about true followership, that there's a leader that's taking off and you're following him. Effective leadership requires true followership. And here's what we got to, here's, you've got to be honest, as disciples, sometimes this is, it sounds very easy. Follow Jesus. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But following Jesus means when the leader, Jesus, changes direction, tells us to change direction, are we going to be good followers of the leader? Let's just, let's just think for a moment. And, and I'm, this, is, this is just a reality. If you look in the scriptures, Jesus, who I believe to be the greatest leader ever to live, obviously, is God come in the flesh. After all the smoke cleared, Jesus is now has ascended into heaven. He's died, resurrected. He's talked to his, do you realize, out of the thousands of people that he spoke to and he touched and all the, the many followers that he had, it basically boiled down to 120 people in a room waiting for him to move. So out of all those thousands of people, it basically came down to 120 in his followership. That's not at all a smash on his leadership. That's just telling us how hard it truly is to do what Jesus said. Follow me. Are we truly good followers of what, of what God has called us to be? Here's what we know about followership. One, we get to be with Jesus. That's the great, can you just, just try to wrap your mind around that a little bit? The Savior of the world, the God who created you, wants to be in, in relationship with you, wants a, talk about a ship word, he wants a companionship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants, to, he, he wants you and he to have a journey. When he says follow, that means I'm not giving you a map or a, a, a contract and you go out and do it. He's saying, we're going to do this together. This is a journey. Just follow me and we're going to be together in this. But it also means that he's the leader. So followership means that when he says go or when he moves, we go with him. Followership means that we put our agendas, we put our, our careers, we put our lives, we put all the things that we want, we put them aside because we're subservient to the leader. Following Jesus is a much bigger word than, it, than sometimes we give it credit for. It means that Jesus, if you go left, I go left. If you go left, I don't say, I don't want to go left, I want to go right. I go left because I'm a follower. I go where the leader leads me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. My plans, everything, here's, here's what we know. When he said, follow me, you cannot stay where you are and follow Jesus. He is going to lead you different, uh, to a different spot than you are right now, and that's going to be the point. Maybe you're set and you're, you're comfortable and you don't want to move, or you're headed this direction and you want to go this way. Here's the point. You're not, you cannot stay where you are and be a true follower of Jesus. Because it's going to go a different direction. It's going to get you up and moving. It's a, the, the idea is following Jesus. But let's keep going in this verse. He said, follow me. And the next phrase says, and I will make you. Man, that, that last phrase, is the, since someone pointed out to me, it just kind of jumps off the page. As you follow, I will make you. Here's a second designation of a disciple. A disciple is one who is being changed by Jesus. 
not only someone who's chosen to follow, but someone who's being changed by Jesus. What this second thing, this becomes the proof of your discipleship. You say to me, if I ask you, are you a disciple? You say, yes, I said a prayer. Yes, I go to church. Yes, that's not the the answer. The, The answer comes in a proof. Is your life different today than it was when you say you started being a disciple? Because Jesus made it very clear, if you truly follow him, your life will not be the same as it was. Now, it will change at different levels, at different speeds, in different areas, in different ways. But he, you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, your life will never be the same. There will be choices that, that will come. There will be things that, that you will have to consider. In fact, chapter 14 of Luke, Jesus said these kind of things to his disciples. He said, listen, if you're not willing to hate he used the word hate. If you're not willing to hate your family, your, your, your uh, mom and dad, your wife and kids, your brothers and sisters, if you're not willing to hate your own life in, in comparison to your loyalty to me, here's his phrase, you cannot be my disciple. He said, listen, you, you, want, to, you want to be a disciple, this following Jesus, this takes it to a whole other level. It's an idea of saying uh, your life is going to be different. You're going to have different priorities. You're going to have different uh, things that are going on. Here. Here's a ship word that we could use for that. We would call it lordship. It's the idea of Jesus is the Lord. He is the master. He is leading the way. A disciple follows, even if I don't like the direction that it goes. Even if I'm, not, if I'm not too keen on where he's taking me. True discipleship, it's a lifelong journey of change. Sometimes the change happens overnight. Sometimes they are gradual. But there's going to be a constant work in your life because you're constantly becoming more like Jesus. He's constantly working in you. A disciple is one who is being changed by Jesus. I said before this statement, you, you cannot stay where you are if you truly follow Jesus But let me add to this, you cannot, you will not stay the way you are if you truly follow Jesus. You cannot stay where you are because he's moving, but you will not stay the way you are. He will change you if you're truly following Jesus. He loves you, we know that. In fact, one of my favorite phrases is Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And if you're a disciple... He starts a process of changing you, and that'll be a lifelong, that's discipleship. In fact, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, if you've been in church, you can spit that verse out, but that's what discipleship looks like. It's not me anymore. I'm not on the throne. The Lord is Jesus. I deny myself. I take up my cross, whatever that means for him, and I follow. That's what it means to be a disciple. So let's answer the first question. Have you accepted the call to be a disciple? Have you received the gift of eternal life, and by doing so, you begin to be, and you can see in your life, different seasons, different, but there has been a change. There, has, there is a, a growing change in your life. That's what a disciple is. Some who's chosen to follow, and his proof is your life is being changed by Jesus. That's discipleship. All right, so number one, a disciple, discipleship means being a disciple. But we can't miss what we started with. Discipleship also is a call to make disciples. 
I really believe, and I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in a lot of people that come to church, that the reason discipleship, the reason that some things, because we stop short of truly going all the way to what discipleship means. We have relegated discipleship to a learning experience. I've been in this Bible study and that Bible study. I've gone to this many church services. I've got Sunday school badges all up and down. My, I, I've been to church. I've done all that. I come, I gather, all of those things. But that's not all discipleship is. Discipleship is not only being a disciple. Discipleship is also a call to make disciples. And as disciples, if your discipleship stops short of making disciples, you're always going to find something missing in the adventure of this discipleship. Because we are called not only to be, but to make. And let me finish the verse, Mark 1.17. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. You're going to follow me as a disciple. I'm going to make you, I'm going to change you. And ultimately, that's going to make you into a fisher of people. You're going to go fishing for people if you're truly a follower of mine. This is part of what happens in a disciple's life. A disciple of Jesus is being changed. Here's what we talk about. A disciple is on mission with Jesus. You have been, you have been called to, to follow Jesus, but you've also been called to be on mission with Jesus. Okay, I, so I've, I've told you a lot of ship words that I've been trying to find. This one may go over the top, so just bear with me a second. Could I, I actually said, could I use the word mission ship? Okay? Some of you are going, oh, brother. And that's exactly what my wife did when I, she, no, you can't do that. It's not a word, right? Okay? Here, here's what's interesting. I, I will agree. That may be a stretch in, this, in talking of that. But here's what I found so interesting, and I love this. When I, when I Googled this idea of mission ship, something, a, a, a literal ship came up on my, on my research. So I followed up, and there's actually, and I put it up there, missionship.com. They actually, they call, they call their, their ministry or whatever a, the mission ship. And what they do is they go to islands all, all around the world, these remote islands where they don't have medical treatment, where they don't have uh, good, they don't have vaccinations and so forth. And they take this boat, and they take doctors and nurses, and they go to places where no one else goes, and they actually bring, they bring medical and, and help to these supporting. What a great thing, you know, what a, a great idea. In fact, one of their thoughts is this, 20 children die every minute in this world because they lack what we think of as normal health care and vaccination. Nations, and they said, our job is we hope to make a difference. Now, that's a great, I, I thought it was a great charity. Missionship, plus it fit right into my sermon, right? Missionship. But I also thought about that's a, that's a very comparable picture to what God has called us to do. Do you understand that we're on missionship, but we have even a bigger thing than taking medical vaccinations to people, as important as that is? As much as it will help to take food and clothes and, and medical supplies to people, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save their lives for eternity. And God has called us to take that message to people who need it. And that's part of what discipleship is all about. It's the fact that we have a message. We have something to do. So let's go back to the verse we started with. Matthew chapter 28, if we go back to verse 18, it says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And 
But he, what he's saying is, I have the authority to, to make these next commands. You, you need to follow them because this authority I, I have, and, and it comes from God himself. And the next words repeated in, in some form in all five of the first books of the New Testament, we refer to it as the Great Commission. Here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you the great commission something interesting i found recent surveys show that a vast number of christians in churches today don't even know the term great commission well over 50 percent of christians surveyed in the last couple years couldn't even recognize that term now here's the thing that's okay because great commission is not a bible word that's a man-made word it's okay If if you don't know the great commission word as long as you're still doing what the great commission says to do right that's where it gets critical because those 50 percent plus another 25 percent not only didn't know what the word great commission was they didn't see any reason that they should be a part of it in fact one other survey takes it well over 90 some some pushing to 95 percent and this is this is a statistic i get it but i i believe to be true that over 90% of, of professing Christians have never truly shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone outside their faith. 95% of Christians have not shared their faith with someone else who needs Jesus Christ. Now, those terms to me, or those, those numbers, it, it, it's the thing that, that we're missing from what Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, last words, make disciples. And as you're doing that, you baptize, you teach them, but you make disciples. The King James uses the word teach, go and teach. And that's not, but that's not teaching as we know it as, as you know, systematic in a classroom. It's, it's the word you teach them to follow. So in other words, it is make disciples. You want to go and to make disciples, teach them to follow Jesus Christ is what the term is. And that's where baptism comes in and teaching them to obey everything comes in. All of that's a part of what, but this is what God has called us to do, church. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you learn, you grow, you, you make cha- God is making changes, yes. But now he says, and also part of discipleship is making disciples. It's also sharing your faith and sharing the gospel with others. In fact, look at some of the words he used. Make disciples of all nations. Now, that has an international flavor to it, obviously, but it actually goes beyond just the countries. When we think of nations, we're we're thinking of names of, you know, this, this. The word that nations is actually the word we get our word ethnicity from or ethnic from. What he's saying is all people everywhere, go make disciples of everyone you meet doesn't matter what and see this was big because he's talking to a bunch of jewish boys who have been taught all their life to be segregated jews are here the rest of the world gentiles is here and they very rarely would would cross that line unless those people were willing to be jews they would not cross. now he's saying i don't care if they're jews gentiles i don't care their color i don't care where they live i want you to go to all people all the ethnicities you know the word i'm trying to say i want you to tell all of them Everyone about who Jesus, uh, about this gospel, make disciples of all people, everyone, everywhere. And don't miss that little word right before make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. G-O is not a big word, but it's a powerful word. 
It means that discipleship, us making disciples, has to be proactive. It's got to be intentional. It means it involves action. It involves moving. It's a, it's a global thing that we, that we know. It's global. And, and Jesus, in fact, in Acts would say you're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. So it means everywhere. So literally, he's saying go to everyone, everywhere, make disciples. But literally, this, the way this verse is written, when it says go, it, it really could have the, the, the three little letters I-N-G on the end. Therefore, going, or as you are going, make disciples. Here's what this verse is trying to tell us. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. Some of you folks may never live, leave Christian County, and I get that. I don't understand it, but I get it, okay? Some of you don't have no desire to go to another state, another country, to, another, to a bigger city. You don't, I get that. So you may never go somewhere like that. But what he's saying is, I'm not telling you to actually uproot and go somewhere necessarily. That may be the call. What I'm saying is, as you are going about your life, every one of you gets up and goes somewhere tomorrow. Well, unless you're retired, I've heard that from my life group a little bit. Sometimes they don't, but that's a whole other story. But you're going to, at some point, you're going to get up and go. You're going to go to a, outside in your yard. You're going to be in a neighborhood. You're going to go to a family function. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to something in the community. You're going to go to the gas station. You're going to go to the store. Do you understand what he's saying? As you are going about life in everything that you do, you don't have to go somewhere to, to Africa to make disciples. You, As you're going tomorrow, as you're going throughout this day, as you go to the restaurant today and you take one of the invite cards Josh will encourage you to take, as you're going about your life, what are you supposed to do? Make disciples. As you are going, the command is make disciples. Wherever you go, whatever, our lives are to be focused around what I'm here for. And part of what I'm here for is to make disciples. So as I'm going, I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to whatever part that is, I am going. Here's what we sometimes we forget as disciples. We kind of think that the gospel was here. It saved me. Hallelujah. But I love the phrase, the gospel came to you because it was on the way to somebody else. You're just the conduit that God said, I want to save you. I love you. But now I want you to take what I've done in you and share it with somebody else. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be one, to follow Jesus, to learn from him, to let him change you, but then also to make disciples. Here's what we've learned, and one other thing that we've learned in Scripture, and then I want to share an analogy, a picture with you, and that is that discipleship primarily happens within relationships. Discipleship isn't a process that we do, although we go through processes and we teach, all those, that's not discipleship, that's just a tool of discipleship. Discipleship is as, as people come together. We, we saw that last week, Acts chapter 2, those opening verses, when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the doctrine and all those things, and, and they were together, they had everything in common, they continued daily, and the Lord added to their number. That's, that's really a picture of discipleship. They poured into each other's lives, they made mistakes together, they loved together, they encouraged, they studied the word together, they helped each other grow and the Lord kept adding more disciples. That's the way it's supposed to work. We come together. We stand in this church in this on a Sunday. We go to our life groups throughout the week. We learn. We study. And then we share with others and we encourage. And more people keep getting added. The thing of the church should be every week we're sharing our faith with someone. And every week I believe God could be calling someone to be a disciple. 
because we're making this, we're actively, we're proactively, as we're going about life, doing what we can to make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. I want to end today a little differently because I want to give you an analogy. And I want to do it with this question. What kind of a ship is Calvary Baptist Church? And with that question, I want you to watch this little clip because it's going to answer the question and hopefully it'll take us back where we want to go. Watch this clip for just a moment. image really kind of struck a chord with me this week because by definition the church is never meant to be a cruise ship it's not about us being comfortable and us being entertained but man that's how church has gone to so many so many degrees and and folks the church you can call it the love boat i don't care what you call it carnival it's it's the point is it never goes anywhere it's just a circle it's just a tourist attraction church was never meant to be that and, and so the question probably is not so much, is the church a cruise ship or an aircraft carrier? Because the point is, the church is not a cruise ship. The better question is, how do I view my connection to the church? Do I consider it a cruise ship? Am I happy as long as I feel comfortable and as I feel like it's, it's meeting my needs? Or do I recognize that I am a part of an aircraft carrier? And the reason I think... A man by the name of J.D. Greer gave this analogy a few years ago, and it just jumped off the page. As I think about an aircraft carrier, its mission, its purpose is, is devoted to the mission of each of its pilots. 
an aircraft carrier exists to equip the pilots, to fuel the jets, to get the missions ready, and then catapult them off to do what they're called to do. And that's what the church is meant to do. You come here on Sunday, you go to your group, it's to learn, it's to grow, it's to be refueled, it's to be taught, and to be a, to be a better disciple, yes, so that we can catapult you. Ooh, should I just kick you? I didn't mean to do that, but if that works, kick you out of the door to do what God has called you to do. We're not a cruise ship. We're a, we're a carrier that has a, a group of mission missional planes that are sent to do what God has called us to do in Taylorville and around the world. Here's the, here's the point. The difference is discipleship. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you truly a follower who is being changed by Jesus? And if so, are you making disciples? That's your mission. At your work, at your neighborhood, at your school. It's to, it's to walk a life, live a life so that others can see Jesus and you use your words to point them to him, making disciples who make disciples.